I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. to Leaving Hill Song. My name's Tanya and I'm excited to welcome you to our 100th episode. I kind of forget stuff and, well, there's like David's Princess and Darren, but if you don't count them when we're over, then it's our one, yay, 100th episode. So thank you. Thank you, thank you for helping us bring the message of Leaving Hill Song further and further every day. Now, it's a special episode today because this interview was actually done in January. Sean Nemorin from An Economy of Souls episode had said to me, you know, somebody needs to interview you. I was like, yeah, he's a former diplomat and, you know, I just didn't want to inflict interviewing me on him. So, Luke... Hilton from a one-star review actually volunteered to, you know, ask the questions. And I didn't know when we were going to be able to use it. And then this week happened. And last weekend, episodes three and four of Secrets of Hillsong by Vanity Fair and Scout through Hulu in the US was released. And it was one of the biggest shocks I can say I've had in terms of interviews or any kind of contact with media over all these years. There have been times when there's been like 
scary makeup and stuff and yeah but this essentially none of us who signed up with the people who approached us uh, from Vanity Fair Scout Productions at any point mentioned that Carl Lentz the former pastor of New York was going to be profiled or platformed or you know outlined that his family was going to be interviewed that he was going to be the star of this show and we found out most of us at least, when the trailer was released, I don't know, a month or two ago, there's a big old picture of Carl Lentz and okay, okay, people are saying it's gonna be a Carl Redemption show and no, 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 it couldn't be, it can't be, these people are clever man, these people are good. And episodes one and two were clever. You know, they were looking at different forms of power and there wasn't, no, no, for me, it wasn't that clear how it was by the end of episode four, which was, this is the Carl Lentz comeback tour video, and I did not consent to this. So this time I can't care about balance. I started crying as soon as the credits rolled on this documentary, realizing I'd been had, I'd been set up. It, it, we, we knew nothing, and there was seemingly nothing we could do about it. I know it's incredibly frustrating because it's not available in Australia or outside of the US and I, you know, people say that's about distributors, but mm, if it were important to get that to the country where the subject matter began and the point of the film is, oh, there was this whole Australian arm, why isn't it available in Australia? Well, can't you just ask your bodgy brother-in-law or something to find a way? I don't know, far out. I woke up the next day and I started crying again. And then I went online and I came across a post on Insta by Nathan Hughes who had talked about seeing pretty much the same things I had seen and, and feeling the same ways. And I had one of those moments where my breathing kind of slowed and I stopped crying and like I just, yeah, felt, felt like I knew that I'd been gaslit instead of just feeling like, yeah, so disorientated and, yeah, my sort of started aligning psychologically. This is what happened. It's not just me. And a lot of people say that about the pod, that I feel less alone and, yeah, this was really cool because I've always kind of been alone and, and this was like, yeah, I got to feel what that was like. So, awesome. I, I'm not going to go on forever, but... I don't want to let this rest. Uh, there's so much wrong with it. And we've never had a problem like this before. We worked different people, like with Dan Johnson and, and his producer from Discovery. And there's just not one issue that came in out of that. Not one raised eyebrow or like, you know, there's so many factual inaccuracies that aren't accidents, you know. But I'll talk about more of that later. One of the things that annoyed me as well was after working with these guys, right, spending all this time with these people, I'm a former congregant and I had written to the director a few weeks ago and said, can you put the podcast in my byline? She said she'd go and see what she could do, but no one said, no, 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 there's going to be this episode four where there's this huge excitement about finally bringing out the boys and lining them all up in a row. Uh, there won't be any mention of your book or your podcast or anything like that. Uh, thanks for all that 
info for the last two years, but yeah, former congregant you. And like, hmm. So I thought, you know what? Perhaps I should introduce myself. Uh, let's get to the bottom of some of this. There's something went on in that uh, that documentary. I don't know what it is, but I was watching the trailer today. I showed someone the trailer and, you know, it's so manipulative. All these quotes have been taken about Carl from people who did not know that he was going to be the star of the show. It's a work of fiction and it needs to be told that way. So I'm going to start with an interview that Luke did with me. I'll start with who I am in this thing and we'll, uh, we'll take it from there. The original piece in Vanity Fair was called Carl Lentz and the Trouble at Hillsong. So welcome to part one of Carl Lentz and the Trouble at Vanity Fair. This was early, when was this? 23rd of January. The whistleblower documents had not been released. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. I'm Mrs. On Tanya Levine. I'm on the wrong side of the computer. What's happening? <laughs> Why are you on the wrong side of the computer? Talk to me. Oh, What's going oh, on? Um, you, okay, go. Start asking questions. How does this work? Okay. Nah. So. Thank you, uh, Mrs. Ms. Tanya Levine, I presume. Now tell me, Tanya. Yes, me. A question on everybody's lips. Mm. Is it Levin or Levine? It's Levine, like Avril. I don't understand. There was a writer called Ira Levine, and when, yeah, I always just thought everybody would know Rosemary's baby, but I guess everybody's not a boomer, so. Uh. <laughs> okay, boomer. Um, <laughs> well, that's good. I'm, I'm glad we cleared that up because that's probably the most important question that everyone wants to know. So the rest of the, the conversation we're going to have today is, um, is just peripheral things. Like, for example, yeah, my first yeah. question, how did you hang out, how did you uh, end up at uh, Hillsong? Tell me about your, your backstory. Oh, I just thought I'd go in and write a book and make trouble. That's what well, they look, said. I mean, that's, that's the rhetoric, isn't it? That's the that's the story yeah. that's being peddled from the other side, I suppose. I woke up one day and was just like, oh, cancelled that dentist appointment. Think I'll be the Antichrist. Yeah. Oh, where to start? Um, okay, no, um, <laughs> look, I was born into a Christian family. My mother is Jewish. I was born in South Africa to a big Jewish family. And then she met oh. my father who was in South Africa and they got married and then when you know things got bad in that place and we came to live in Australia now my parents were Presbyterian Episcopalian Protestant whatever you want to call it wherever you live and uh, around the time I was eight years old they started getting more interested in the Pentecostal movement and I was baptized in water I was taught to speak in tongues all that kind of thing when I was eight and fast forward to, where are we, 1985, we moved into an area called Cherry Brook, Cherry Brook, in Sydney's suburbs and the local Pentecostal church, that we go to the local church, it was called the Hills Christian Life Centre. And uh -huh. that's where I was 14 and the pastors were called, well, actually, the pastor was called Brian, I don't yeah, Bobby wasn't a wasn't a leader at that point. So Bobby wasn't a pastor. I don't know that Bobby ever officially became a pastor. Did she? Was she? Yeah. Anyway, that's yeah, she a, would have a along the way. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Cool. So, 
essentially you're you're heading you're you're landing in hills christian life center was less about uh seeking out that style of christianity and more about that was just the convenient location to go would you say that yeah it was the local the closest pentecostal established pentecostal church in the area i was born into it as such yeah yeah right and how old were you when you guys ended up at that church um um i was 14 or turning 14. So you were probably starting to get integrated in with the youth group there and, and, and starting to have a little to bit youth group for a while. I had quite strict parents. My mother didn't need me going to youth group and looking at boys and, you know, there's couldn't see any real purpose to what this youth groupy thing was when church was adequate. So after a while though, after some persistence, um, I was one of those kids that had to sit next to their parents at church and it was like so right. embarrassing, you know, so. Look, uh, I, I yeah. think at, at some stage throughout all of our church life, we were all that kid. If we grew up know. in the church, we were, I know I was, uh, I know most of the people at the church that I went to at the time were. Um, I don't so, know, the cool yeah. kids got to sit with each other and not with their parents. But... You mean the pastor's kids? Yeah, yeah, fair. That's a fair call. <laughs> now tell me. So, so you're 14. You've you've come into Hills Christian Life Centre. You've got Pastor Brian with that 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 sexy looking porn stash thing going on there, right? Oh, they all had it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely a thing. What we're talking mid 80s now. So yeah, that was because I've gone back and looked at my diaries. So I think it was September 1985 is the first entry. So I would have just turned 14. Yeah. Beautiful. And that's when we had a uh, good friend of the show, Mr. Jeff Bullock, was in charge of the music there, wasn't he? All the OG people were there. You know, you had Mercedes and Pat Mercedes. You had Jeff Bullock in charge of music. It's got, you know, it was like the first season of a, of a show. It was incredible. Yeah, right. Beautiful. So, like, all of that uh, that, that season premiere, kind of, like, getting to know all of the, the main players for what was going to turn into a lifetime of of, of trauma and and uh, drama and literally days of our lives, but with an imaginary friend in the sky, right? Well, you um, know, like, remember, like, Kim and Courtney used to take Miami before they kept up with the Kardashians? Like, <laughs> way back then, before oh surgery, shall we say. Oh, my goodness. I love it. I love it. So you're growing up in this Hills Christian Life Centre. At some point, obviously, Hills Christian Life Centre, as we now know, became connected to Sydney Christian Life Centre, which was the church that Frank started. From memory, and correct me if I'm wrong, Frank actually sent Brian out to the Hills District of Western Sydney to start Hills Christian Life Centre. Is that right? And this has always been my understanding. There's a little bit of conjecture around this, but definitely Frank started Sydney Christian Life Centre and that church started other what we call church plants and there was one in so they did one in liverpool and they did one in and i, I mean i don't know whose idea since the thing i don't know sorry so it was decided that one would start in the hills i mean it was an up-and-coming area the reason it's called hills is there's a lot of suburbs castle hills seven hills borkham hills it's known as the hills district i don't even think brian was the original person slated to do the job but uh out he went. I mean, they were they were very different days. It's suburbia, but it was real out west of Sydney. There wasn't a lot of infrastructure. There weren't the highways. You know, there were, it, it was a long trip out from the city. So it would have been a bit of a pioneering trek in the day for them all. Sorry, I rambled there. Yeah, right. 
No, 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 no. That's that's really fascinating because um, you know I've I've spoken to people overseas. I've spoken to people even here in Australia who you know the the word Hillsong now is obviously synonymous with Brian and Bobby Houston yeah. and 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 the I, I guess we'll call it in 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 quotes success that the church has has grown into. Um, but very few people actually understand, especially from an international perspective, why it's called Hillsong. Ah, oh, and even so now, really... like, it, that's interesting as well because I've seen different videos where different people claim ownership. Yeah, um, look, what we do know for sure, like I said, Frank planted the original one. They'd come out from New Zealand because he wanted to start this church and, you know, he... from. Sorry, I'm too young. I wasn't there at the time, but from what the people tell me and we've talked about on the podcast, nothing happened without Frank's authority and Frank's command. So, you know, it's debatable exactly where you want to start, who started what, founded what, but, you know, the root of this tree is Frank Houston and, you know, other churches came out of that. And what happened out in the in the Hills District was Jeff, like you said, Jeff was in charge of the music. He was producing these incredible bangers, right, one after oh, the other. Mate, if, I mean, if Jeff was involved with the pop culture music, uh, the pop culture and the pop music scene, Jeff would have been the number one chart-busting songwriter in the world. Such a talented, talented Absolutely. guy. And they were having, it's funny because that I mean, my memory is hazy because I didn't care about the music. I'm like, okay, cool, let's learn all about the Bible. And then they'd have this music thing and I'd be like, yeah, whatever, why don't you, you know, you're going to go dance your ribbons across stage and do what, I don't know, what, where's the Bible? Anyway, so I missed that mm. whole boat. The music was growing. They had a music conference once a year that they called Hillsong. And, um, yeah, the the conference became more famous than the church. So the decision was made, and I won't, you know, not going to debate with you who made that decision at the moment. Uh, I believe it was Jeff's idea to um, to just, why don't we just call the church Hillsong because that's what everybody knows this place because of this conference yeah, called yeah. Hillsong. So you may as well just call the whole place Hillsong and then people will know what it is. Look, it's a strong marketing strategy, especially for a business that's so um, so reliant on on that that notoriety. And you know, Hillsong obviously then went on to become a bit of a music juggernaut to the point where every time Hillsong released an album, that album would chart at number one on the Australian music charts for for weeks and weeks at a time. And it's just fascinating how it started as as a little church with what, what did you say, like three four hundred people at the most well, at the time yeah. when you got there, wasn't it? When we turned up, there was about 300 people. I think they'd started with, you know, 40 or something. Okay. So so what was your first impressions? What were your impressions of the leadership team? Like, what was your impression of Brian? You know, we, we hear people talk about how he's such a fantastic communicator and orator. Um, he, he writes incredible books, you know, he, the, the prosperity gospel, all that kind of stuff. Apparently, people are, are deeply fascinated with him. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, I actually found Brian to be quite boring. He was my least well, favourite preacher when I was at Hillsong. <laughs> what, what was your impression? I mean, I wasn't, I, was, I never considered myself be allowed to have an impression. My parents take me to church. It's not for me to, to, to have an opinion. But look, I've got to tell you, Pat Mercedes was an entertainer in the day. He could make you laugh and make you cry. 
Uh, and then there'd be Brian on Sunday nights a lot of the time. And Sunday nights were cool, right? So it's like Sunday mornings were very formal. But like once I started being allowed to go to Sunday nights as well, because my parents weren't going to turn up at night time. There's no time to go to church at night. <laughs> you know, they were... They were they were much more relaxed nights and stuff. Um, but it was the same thing every week as uh, get saved. I'm I'm saved, Brian. Now what? Yeah, uh, yeah. And my dad would say to me, "Oh, you know, he's an evangelist. It's a different thing. There's preachers and then there's teachers, and he's a preacher." But that yeah, that didn't hmm. kind of hold my attention. It, yeah. So you found that too, because I mean, this yeah. is. This is such an interesting thing. I speak to people in and out of the church and some of the most ardent kind of critics will still say, but that Brian, gee, he could preach. He's a great talker, isn't he? And I go, yeah. Oh. <laughs> not personally. Well, not personally. It didn't grab yeah. me, but it's obviously grabbed millions of people around the world. Well, so, see, here's the thing. I, I, I would actually debate that. I actually don't know that Brian's preaching or teaching or or you know motivational speaking is what i'd rather call it he's basically the anthony robbins of of pentecostalism mm. as far as i'm concerned but i actually don't think that brian's preaching or teaching is what built hillsong i actually think it was a combination of jeff bullock and darlene check darlene oh, obviously being involved with with writing and and the release of shout to the lord and i think mm. brian I, I think brian was like a dog on a collar being led by the owner there i, I genuinely well, do believe that without shout to the lord there is no brian houston and funny you should bring that up because from what i've been told and look this story is all about what people tell the story because there's no kind mm. of official history so it's all just people telling their stories but uh it was darlene who was having the success in the united states and yeah. she was the one, along with her business manager, husband, that introduced Brian to, to the big names in, in America, you know. Certainly the music is what, you know, infiltrated definitely the United States first and, and overseas, but still he was able to bring him into the stadiums and get him to come to conferences. So, I, you know, Concerts, it must be you. you. It must be your fault that you can't <laughs> see the the appeal because <laughs> millions of people can't be wrong luke look i gotta say that the few times that i attended hillsong conference uh, i probably would have attended about four or five times you know it's it's a very full itinerary there's a lot of things going on at okay. a lot of like all, all throughout the weekend uh, or as it turned into the the full week usually when brian was on stage that was when i was going to have lunch or dinner you, uh, <laughs> okay <laughs> but look i mean that's so I, I guess what I want to know mm -hmm. is how did we go? How did how did Tanya Levine go from a fourteen-year-old teenager being brought in by a Protestant family into a Pentecostal world to Tanya Levine no longer being welcome at Hillsong Church? Oh, well. For those playing at home, uh, Tanya has, at this stage been told that she is not permitted to attend any Hillsong church conference or event or even be on the property at any point in time so we very, want to know why very unfriendly so when i could no longer take it i mean i it's it's a long and and drawn out process but i started having questions in my head when i was 16 at church and looking around me and 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Going, no, I don't like this. This isn't, I don't like this. this isn't true. This isn't real. There's something wrong here. And instantly getting those feelings of like, ah, you've let Satan in your head, haven't you? So then you have to try and fight the demonic attack and still you think things aren't right but it must be you like I said because there's all these other people are fine with it so what's going on and this continued until I just couldn't keep going I went to uni I'm sorry after I left school I started university I got a boyfriend which is all what did you you study What what did you study at university oh I started out doing a bachelor of arts a BA and I didn't really attend much there either or Hillsong. Like I hadn't been allowed much past the old mailbox before then, but um, there I was in the city with my little new textbooks and my fresh papers and, uh, yeah. Sipping sipping lattes in Newtown. Well, basically, (laughs) yeah, Sydney Uni, I was in Newtown. Yeah, you know, and it was one of those things like we talked about now called the quiet quitters where I just sort of, went less and less and there was no big revelationary moment like you know you, you like no. to ask all the guests on your show you know why did you leave and a lot of them there's a big revelationary moment where it's like oh my god like this is just absolutely not it i need to get out of here and they just shoot through you didn't have that did you no all i could do was i had this boyfriend we were engaging in immoral behavior together behind closed doors i had given him the gift I was supposed to save. And so I knew I was, you know, tainted goods. I was worthless from that point on in the church scenario. But I also just couldn't, I couldn't do the hypocrisy. I I was friends with a girl who was dating a youth leader, and I talk about this in the book, and they would meet up on Friday nights and they would have sex and maybe Saturdays as well. And by Sunday they would have to, well, I mean, he would make her pray and beg forgiveness afterwards, but then by Sunday night he'd break up with her and she was taking a morning after pill a lot of Mondays. And But he was there on Sunday nights, hands way up in the air, and I, I just can't do that. Now, mm. that's just me. I'm just too sort of blunt and, and neurotic. I don't know, but I couldn't do that whole thing. I, at least to, 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 I guess, capture my own sanity had to be kind of true to my own life or, or, you know what I mean, live honestly in my own head or something and not go somewhere and pretend to be something that I'm not because I pretty much probably thought God would strike me down anyway. So I just kind of went over there for a bit and spent the next 12 years thinking I was just going to go to hell. 
Yeah, wow. So then, um, I mean, my turning point came when Brian stood up and made his announcement about Frank and the serious moral failure, and mm. it was so apparent. To so me you, so you were in the you were you were in the congregation when that first announcement was put out to the public. Well, what had actually happened was, like, you know, I went and lived in the city, and I went to uni, and I did all the things. I ended up having my son and moving back to the area uh, to be near my mom and to be near some friends and where I'd grown up. And so when I heard the room, I'd been to the Pat Mercedes announcement, right. which had only been a couple of months before because I only lived down the road. So, you know, it wasn't such a – it wasn't so huge at the time. The 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 numbers they were using were 12,000 people. They had 12,000 congregants all over the world. <laughs> no, what they had um, was 12,000 seats. But anyway, continue. Well, you know, combined <laughs> services and I don't know. You know, it was only a 10-minute car ride. It didn't occur to me that I couldn't just pop into church and go and see what Brian was up to. So I'd been to the, the part one where Brian had... Which was... Which was a shock to the system, wasn't it? Because oh, like yeah. you and I both grew up going to youth alive events and seeing Pat Mercedes stand on stage in front of twenty thousand people at Parramatta Stadium. Well, Pat like, was that one was... of the original oh. Hills Christian Life Centre pastors. He was a regular preacher there. We all knew him. And I mean, something else that I really should add is like, as I was saying, these were my parents, not peers, my parents' friends. So my dad uh, was a banker, and he. You know, he, he was supportive of Brian and Pat and he was a very committed Christian and these were my father's associates and friends and to an extent, you know, giving them business advice and that. So I was just the daughter. But we had all been so attached to Pat and, and you know, loved his style of preaching. We'd all got on the bus and gone to Youth Alive things. Uh, and then one day Brian sort of stood up and made these announcements that he'd had to let had to let Pat go. Pat had had to go because of serious moral failings. It was a something else. It wasn't Isn't quite. It, 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 it's fascinating how the terminology, I can't remember the exact words myself, but I remember hearing about it. And I remember the terminology being compared to the terminology that Brian used with Frank as well, which is why yeah. for people who were there during Frank, the Frank announcement, no one's, no one's mind really went to, oh my God, he's a pedophile. Well, no, I mean, I, I had, we've, sorry, this has actually been, it's funny, it's come up again, even amongst some of us that go back 30 years ago that don't even know mm. each other that well. We've been comparing notes, kind of going, did you, did I, it was, right? Yeah. Um, by the time I arrived at that announcement about Frank, I had been told something by someone so you know, I, I had some prior knowledge what it was about, but, I, you know, I don't think most people did. So mm. when he made this announcement about a serious moral failure, I knew that it was child sexual assault and that it was being called a serious moral failure and that it was, you know, I, I watched him focus this incident on himself i watched brian focus this yeah. on himself his family his kids uh his suffering and the response from the crowd was to reward that with a standing ovation and yeah. that was the moment i knew that was yeah. the moment i went hang on look a hundred percent if we know nothing on earth we know that child sexual assault is wrong and if these people are clapping 
for something that hasn't, you know, there was no mention of victims. There was no mention of like zero tolerance. This will never happen in my church again while there's breath in my body. Nothing, nothing. Yeah. Pray for us. And I went, yeah, no, that's it. I had always said, because I always thought the fault was with me. For all these years, it has to be me. I'm the one that can't follow the rules and be happy and go along with it. And I had gone to, I had two pretty good friends and one of them was called, I call her Jules in the book. And, you know, she would listen to me and we would talk about things and she would be kind of like, you know, well, where will your questions end? And, and the other one would just say, he loves you so much, Tanya. Why are you being so horrible to God? Like, he just loves you. Can't you just accept that? So I figured it was all me. And I had said to yeah, Jules, wow. yeah, I had said to Jules, look, I'm going to just go and be over here for a while and have a think. I'm, I don't want to cause these people trouble. But if they, if they start filtering into the general community where people don't know who they are and how they operate and stuff, I'm going to really want to say something. And they did. And, you know, look, at the same time, you know, when I was at uni, people would say, cool, like, so what did they do to you? I'll go, nothing. Yeah, but so why are you, like, what's your problem with them? Like, did 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 somebody, like, hurt you or, like, bash you? No. They're just, right? So it's taken a lot of processing myself. So... Then the Frank thing happened and it was established that the church that this church had come from was founded by a prolific child sex offender and I'm out. I'm out when those are the uh, where the stakes yeah. are. Yeah. Now that's yeah. um 2001. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, and, I'm, I'm, and then from, from that point onwards, from that point I'm onwards, 2001, there. so you've so you've walked off. You've you've mm. left. You're like, no, nah, this is just too much for me. And then there. somewhere somewhere along the lines, something happened where you received a letter. Oh no, no, well, hang on, I'm getting there. So, so then, I had nagged this friend of mine for a little while. I've always got these great ideas. Start this, do that, and invent that. And I had a friend from uni who was working for Alan and Unwin in publishing, and. I said to her, mm, I want to write my book on Hillsong. If you're writing a book, I want to write a book on Hillsong. And she said to me, Tanya, if you are serious this time, send me a chapter outline and I'll talk to the editor. And, oh, I sent her some ideas. And Alan and Unwin editor met with me and I can remember very clearly she turned to me and she said, the editor, she said, so, Hillsong. So pretty much straight away, it was clear that there was a brand that they could market. Like I always say, I'm not Kate Moss, discovered at the airport there. I um, wasn't pounding any any pavements. Your art comes down to what they can market. So I signed a book contract in February of 2005. And then I went to Colour Your World in March of 2005 as a research exercise. Oh, it was a horrific step into trauma. Um, and in April, I wrote to my pastors growing up, dear Brian and Bobby, I'm writing this book. I really would like to have you involved in it, get your perspectives. You know, we could communicate about this as I go through the process. And um, that would, you know, that would give the balance and the insight. And I got a letter back. And 
it's been posted. I'll, I'll dig it up again. I've got a letter back from George Agajanian, the general manager. And I don't even think most people knew there was a general manager at the time. And he said, dear Tanya, in response to your letter, uh, you know, it, they don't want to do an interview with you and you caused significant disruption at the recent Colour Your World conference. So we ask that you refrain from attending Hillsong services in the future. Significant disruption at the conference. What did you do, Tanya? Well, We've heard so many stories because oh. remember, like I'm, I'm ex-Hillsong College myself and we were told that you are essentially the Antichrist. What did you do? Right, so I went to Colour Your World and like my jaw dropped because so once you kind of, you know, I had, sorry, I had gone into researching this thing, trying to be as open-minded as possible. Obviously, I'm the one with the problem. These people are thriving. Let's go have a look. Uh, it was just sex as drivel. But at one point, they were selling these compassion children. And I say selling because compassion is this charity of child sponsorship of African children that are starving and you know Bobby was kind of going like oh look at Oscar Oscar's so cute who wants to adopt oh good for you Linda's adopted Oscar yay so these children were being auctioned off and there's obviously kickbacks and you know partnerships with the charities and stuff and then they had this child up on the big screen you know sort of sort of thin and African will you be my sponsor and it was just so many, I didn't even have the language and it was so manipulative. And I, I remember looking to the person to the left of me, the woman to the left of me going like, what is this? Now, I think that might've been in a break. There was so much noise there. I don't know how you could disrupt that place if you wanted to. My problem was, what I didn't realise was, I'd been seated next to Brian's sister. Oh, so the person which one? That I, <laughs> which, which sister? So the person that I turn to and go like, what are these people doing? Was Brian's sister, Judith, who was uh, working. Oh, dear. So I think that's how that happened. Yeah. See, we, we, there, are, there are wives' tales. There's almost like legendary tale. That, that Tanya Levine stood up in the middle of the conference and started shouting from the audience and had to be dragged out. It's all bullshit. Is that what you're telling well, me? Well, 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 how would I? I mean, how I, I challenge anybody out there to significantly disrupt a meeting there. Like, set yourself on fire and see if it'll actually stop the show. Well, no, that, that, would just be the, that would just be the glory of God, wouldn't it? Well, they would just... Too. So, actually, <laughs> I... Uh, well, because I didn't... I mean, I couldn't believe it. I didn't take them that seriously i mean brian come on you kid well i can't come back come on no you're not serious so a couple of months later joyce meyer had made a, a joyce meyer was yeah, up. yeah. I, so that. I was like sweet let's go i had a couple of friends with me we turned up and um grant thompson came and sat next to me and he's like you know you're not supposed to be here and i was like huh and he goes come and talk outside so because i am like super shifty i left my bag inside and i went and talked to grant outside now grant grant thompson is from my youth group he married mm. my friend's little sister like that's all i knew and so yeah come on 
And he said, you know, you're not allowed to be here. And I said, okay, I've just got to go back in and grab my bag. And I went in to get my bag and they sent security and literally two security guards picked me up and carried me out and put me outside. Dion was one of those security guards, wasn't he? I don't know who they were, but it was a bit extreme. I don't know what Joyce would have said. So, yeah, they were serious. Now, yeah, they 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 were definitely serious. Wow. Do what you so, want. Sorry. So, look, after after that experience, after being essentially dragged out of a Joyce Meyer meeting, uh, Hillsong pressed trespass charges against you, didn't they? Well, in Australia, you know, people don't press charges individually. So we're going to cut to 2015. So this is 2005, and 10 years later, I was doing some media with a current affair about Hillsong Conference. Justin Bieber had turned up that year, and... I met with this tabloid TV outside the conference. We did some filming and some chatting and we were packing up to go or they were packing up to go. It was winding up and I was approached by police officers who had told me, you know, that I was trespassing and then they, you know, it's it's such a, like, such a petty little story but... They gave me a, like, you're not supposed to be. So I was outside the stadium and then there are. Uh, this is at Sydney. This is at Sydney Olympic Park because Sydney it was being Olympic held Park. at the Sydney Superdome, Super, Superdome right? So, so you're not allowed to go to Hillsong Church, no. but they never told you that you can't go to Sydney Olympic Park and be in the vicinity while there's a Hillsong event, did they? No, and they, they pretty much can't. But then, you know, we ended up. After I was arrested for entering enclosed grounds, uh, two counts, they spent three days in court arguing over what the perimeter was around the stadium, the arena. So there were Gloria Jean's coffee stands outside the front of the stadium they were holding the thing in. So if I went near that, that was considered Hillsong Territory, there were, I mean, long conversations. I've got the transcripts in court about the bike racks. Did the bike racks constitute the edge of the perimeter? I mean, yeah. And now I was in those a public charges... place filming. I, you know, I wasn't quite. So you're, you're, you're eventually found guilty and then you. Yeah, it was overturned on appeal. You, yeah. It was overturned on appeal. And what was the appeal and uh, what was the appellant judge's thoughts on that like why, why well, was it at a it was actually quite wonderful i had i had a a wonderful solicitor come in at the last moment and go pro bono for me and i mean he's he's one of those super genius types a guy called aaron kernigan and the judge ended up making comments that it would be terrible to have a conviction on the record of someone with otherwise impeccable character yeah right okay that was yeah okay Perfect. Okay. So fast forward a couple of years, we have people in glass houses has been out for a few years now. Mm. You're starting to get some media attention. There are starting to be a few salacious stories coming out about the inner workings of Hillsong. Yeah. Well, starting there was to nothing, get around. I mean, there was nothing for what, like after the book, you know, and there was really nothing newsworthy for 13, 14 years. And I haven't been sitting here like a hawk waiting or an eagle. You know, I had a son, I had jobs, I'm a social worker, I was working and then, hey, everything changed. 
I just I just want people to know it's not like I sit here and like study Hillsong all day and night. It's all a lot of this has hit me like a, a ton of bricks as well. Like it's been a real shock. So it's it's fascinating to me because it took a long time from when Brian announced his father's moral failings, quote unquote moral failings, for it to finally get to the point where it's like, wait, hold on a second. No one reported this. Mm. Were you as surprised as everybody else was when you found out that they had completely missed the boat on their legal and moral obligations? We'll have to be really careful here because we can't speculate. Um, of course. More, I'm more asking you, about I... your reaction to, to hearing that this was, this was the allegation. Hi, so that'll be a place to end for now. I'm going to tired and want to go watch like, YouTube and try and do more processing of what's happened. Thanks for listening. I hope that this will set some of the records straight. Uh, there's obviously various rumours around. I didn't know. It didn't cross my mind. I hadn't thought of what, you know, is being said about me, but here we are. Here, you know, here we are. If you watch the doc, good luck. It's a huge setup. That's how I feel uh, in lots of different ways that I'll get to. Feel free to make it known wherever you want that you've heard from people that were involved directly and they feel exploited. They feel set up. They feel like they've been exploited exactly the way Hillsong did it. Bait and switch. May not be illegal, but it's just so, so... Well, out of the ballpark in terms of trust and, yeah, wanting to do the right thing. In any case, uh, part two will be up tomorrow. Keep being kind to yourself. Be kind to the people around you. It's all part of leaving Hillsong is what I'm thinking. The thing is, is that we don't need documentaries like this anymore. The world knows now. The whistleblower documents were dropped after this, but yeah, maybe we did need them to find out what people are like and we'll figure out what to do with all of that. And we'll talk soon. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.